All right. Welcome to another episode of Woodward Tigers here at woodwardsports.com. I'm Rahelio Casale. Inside me is Uper and John. Chris will be hopefully long shortly. Last week, he situation where he was putting his son his bed. He was putting the son to bed and then just zonked out. So, but hopefully, it's not the case. He's probably getting some minor league clips right now as the Seawolves right now are up eight. I believe it was eight two last time I checked. I was going to start the show with this. For those who are, if anybody's watching us on YouTube, if anybody can get this song without looking it up, I think we have a too much of a young demographic. I mean, this song came out before I was, you know, a couple of years before I was even born, but Queen Elizabeth passed away today as uh, she spent, what, what was it, uh, you for 76 years? Uh, 76 years on the throne. Yes. Yeah. Christopher, good to see you too on YouTube live. So if you join us on Woodward Tigers or Attack Mind Report, Thank you for watching and thank you for participating. Yeah, so John did a quick story on Woodward Sports. The closest that she ever came here was Windsor because she is the House of Winter, Windsor, I believe. And that's all the Queen talk we're going to talk about because, quite frankly, it's unfortunate. But she lived a good long life, lived on the public trough, and away we go. So, but uh, yeah, plenty to get to though. The Seawolves right now, as we're doing a playoff watch across the minor. Tigers minor league system and Tigers might be out of the playoffs, but doesn't mean <laughs> that the Erie Seawolves are not as we're doing some scoreboard watching right now. They are Bo- Bowie, which is the team that they're tied with is up six, three over Richmond. And right now the Seawolves are up as uh, oh, there we go. Chris is joining us now. Hey, Chris. So we got the whole Brady Bunch square thing going tonight. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's up, Chris? Yeah. Chris is a... Nice to meet you. So John, what'd you, or Chris, what did you say? Your mic's kind of a little... I was... Uh, it's a bunch oh. of racial slurs, and then... Um, no, I just said, hi, hi, John. Nice to meet you. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so it's a final in Erie. They went 9-2. Reese Olsen set the club record for strikeouts in the first inning. That was a bro- record that stood since 1999, which was the first year that Erie went in double A. So, congratulations to him. West Michigan and Great Lakes in a wild one right now, 7 6, bottom of the eighth. West Michigan with two runners on, or just had two runners on. And Chris, that was a back and forth game. Great Lakes stormed back on that, right? They scored four in the six. Yeah, the Getter uh, Montero had, had a no hitter with four walks through five innings. And then they brought in Trevin Michael, who gave up two hits immediately and then gave up a go ahead grand slam. Um, but then uh, the Whitecaps stormed back. It was one of the wilder things you'll ever see. Uh, Danny Ceretti hit a double. Pacheco walked. Danny Ceretti hit a double to tie it. And then Justice Bigby uh, hit what appeared to be a single off the wall that scored Ceretti. He got thrown out at second. So the broadcast, they went to what they do. They went to a guy singing Sweet Caroline. It's like dueling pianos night there at LMCU Ballpark. Yeah. So they had him sing the whole thing. And they were doing like air guitar camera, and you come back, and Dan Hasty's talking about how Justice Bigby had hit a two-run homer. They overruled <laughs> it and said it was a two-run homer, and so Bigby had to run the bases with nobody else on the field. Then they bought, brought the teams both back on the field. So, yeah, it was an unusual one. 
Yeah, Christopher, we agree with you on that because we went to go. First and foremost, thank you to I forgot the I don't want to forget this. Thanks to the Gregs, Coleman and Gagne, the entire Erie Seawolf staff, Elena and Jason, who <laughs> Jason cracked me up the entire weekend. Uh, those two work in the box office, or excuse me, in the broadcasting booth area, the press box, and they put together the presentation. They do the graphics. Really good young kids. I sound weird when I say that, but it's true. They are exceptional, and they also can have a few pops. You know, they had a few sodas with us, and so. But uh, no, seriously, Greg, both Gregs were Gagne, top. Yeah, great, great time, great organization. I chose the wrong super. I chose Super Eight instead of Motel Six, and I'm not kidding, folks. My bed looked like a murder scene. I'll, I will show you the picture. I'm dead serious. I, I am not afraid to admit this. And it's something that I will haunt your nightmares. So, so John, I know you were talking about maybe going to Erie with us, but be glad you didn't. Because why? You see, well, you'll see, you'll see why here in a second, as soon as I find it. But uh, okay. no, one of those things where it was, first, first and foremost, buoy. Might have like one, you know, you look at their batting average. If you look at them based off box score, you might say to yourself, man, this team can't hit. Well, that's ridiculous because they were able to get, they were able to get hits at timely matter. They were just anything. They just were, all the outs were tough and back and forth. You could tell that there was the tension too. There was a lot of chirping. Uh, Chris, would you say it's fair there were a lot of chirping back and forth between dugouts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a very tense series. There were, you know, it's double A umpiring, so not everything's going to be satisfactory to these uh, coaches. And yeah, and, and you know, it's the weirdest thing because Sunday, so Sunday was the absolute must win game, right? For for Erie, they were down three games to two in the series. Uh, the teams, I haven't checked what Bowie did tonight. I assume they won just because of how it's been going. But um, yeah, the, Erie had taken a lead, and Bowie's manager, or, or who was it? I don't remember who it was. It was Brendan White, I think, hit a Bowie player in. Uh, Bowie's managers just absolutely lost it. And yeah. I don't know exactly why. I don't know if he just wanted the pitcher tossed because, uh, but it wasn't like it was, you know, Erie was leading by one run in the eighth inning in a game they absolutely had to win. Uh, I don't think they're going to lead off the inning by intentionally hitting a guy. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a classic meltdown. He, he, you know, yelled at every ump there was, kicked the dirt on the plate, kicked his hat through his gum. Uh, but yeah, in the end, he was able to earn the split and they have the tiebreaker. So he's got to keep playing decent baseball. Tonight was their first, like their offense has just been super, um, I don't know, tentative, just not there the last couple of games, but they broke out tonight, which was good to see. Yeah. And especially too, the one thing about that before, I think it was the day before, the ump had to warn the Bowie bench, Bowie bench at some point, too. And that was they went back and forth. And again, even with uh, Gabe, I think Gabe Alvarez pre handled it pretty well, too. And we, we had a chance to talk to him again. Also, huge thanks to Gabe Alvarez. We sat there and talked to him for a half hour. Nothing. I mean, just totally. I didn't want to. Chris thought of it. Chris made the wise decision to say, hey, let's not, maybe not film it. Let's just have like a good conversation. And we, we could have probably talked for longer if he had not had stuff to do and we didn't want to take up too much of his time. So uh, gracious to him, who, by the way, he is up-and-coming manager. He got a, a consideration for Erie's uh, – or me, Eastern League Manager of the Year. was it, or, or, or no, Baseball America Up-and-Coming Manager, right? 
Nice. Yeah, which is which is voted by, on by the other managers, so that they view him as the best kind of managerial prospect in the Eastern League. Which is, I, I think, you got to take that as an honor, right? Oh, definitely, you, you should. I mean, it's it's something that worth considering too. And Brian Pena also won some hardware with that as well. Brian Pena won some. Josh Crouch, best defensive catcher in the Midwest League, and he also proved that on the field tonight he went three for four in the game tonight. Let's see. I think it was something like that effect I saw. But uh, here's a crime scene, by the way. So everybody, wa- so John, look at this. <laughs> okay. Sweet. Oh, what I the? I think that comforter is. Dude. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> is that about a twelve-year-old comforter? Maybe fifteen. I think that was. Yeah, I don't know how old the comforter is, but then if you point, look at that. Look at the blood spots. Yes. Yeah. Look at that right there. That's that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. So I'm taking it. You didn't do Priceline.com. No, I. What it was is that. So I did the last. By the way, the last two weeks I've had a headache, sinus headache, or some sort of allergy-related headache for the last two weeks. And I could take all the picture. I could take all the stuff you want, all the time, and any medication. And in a one of my migraine hazes, I, 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 I accidentally we we stood at the super or Motel Six last time. It was a clean room, good experience. And I got that too confused somehow. And yeah, and I also picked a smoking room. Like, <laughs> why would you do that, <laughs> John? I'm John. I was, I, I was telling Chris. I think I juggle way too much sometimes. Which is why yesterday when we were we were in the meeting yesterday, I'm doing like you see me doing like six things at once all the time. It's not just that, but uh, nevertheless, yeah, yeah, you, you, uh, you, yeah, you bite off more than you can chew. I do that too sometimes. Yeah, and so yeah, that again, this is one of those things where. If you're going to the Super 8 Motel, uh, as part of the, was it, the, the mafia that Chris was talking about, too, or the cartel. You know <laughs> we'll, what? We'll, yeah. One of the things that was funny is uh, is I went down to get a drink uh, at some point during the during our stay there, and uh, they didn't have Dr. Pepper uh, on the, the floor we were on. So I went down to the main floor, and I was trying to get a drink, and I noticed that the, the entire door to the drink machine was open. You could just... <laughs> Swing the whole thing open and take what you wanted. So I told them, like, hey, you guys, uh, you know, you could do this. He's like, oh, we're going to have to call somebody. We came stumbling in about 12 hours later. Stay, same situation. So we just grabbed a water on the way up to the room. <laughs> like, All right, screw it. We, we warned them. I'm taking the water. Like, it, I wasn't I wasn't participating because I saw the guy looking over our way. So I thought, I was like, man, he's going to say something. And, and I'm not yeah. saying a word or not noticing him. But I'm surprised we didn't get comments on YouTube. Like, Oh, nothing like that. But we are losing a couple of viewers. So maybe after a while, they're like, oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, it didn't matter because I didn't didn't go underneath the sheets and B, (laughs) it was just a place to lay our heads. And so, but uh, when I told Greg and everybody at Erie what what hotel they were staying in, they looked at me. But then Labor Day weekend, everybody jacks up the price. So places by the water were normally that $100, $200 an hour, now $400, $500 a night. And so. They got were a victim of that, but either way, whatever the case is, great trip. And there's Walter. Good evening, Walter. How you doing? And uh, yeah, so it was a great trip, and we all went from there. So, but uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of the Tigers. We're gonna talk about we just talked about the postseason runs for both West Michigan and Erie, and we're also gonna talk a little bit about what's going on around baseball as postseason aspirations. And World Baseball Classics news, too, as uh, Javier, Baez's, Javier Baez will be playing for Team Puerto Rico. I did an article earlier today on Woodward about the history 
of Tigers who have played in the World Baseball Classic, which has been around since 2006. So the Tigers are playing or start a three-game series tomorrow against Kansas City. Joey Wentz coming off the IL after a couple stints in West Michigan and Toledo will get the start. And from there, they won the game yesterday against the Angels. Savage, salvage, rather. Hmm. Game out of a three-game series. And the young bats came to play. And so Eric Haas, five for five. And Kerry Carpenter with a home run. Ryan Carpenter got a home run, too, and so did Spencer Torkelson. But Spencer Torkelson still missed a couple fastballs down the middle. Tigers can't be choosers. But uh, yeah, I'll start with you, it. John. I know that you were watching the game yesterday a little bit, but uh, – Anything stood out to you besides what I just mentioned in a three-game series against the Angels? Oh, I mean, nothing much. I mean, yesterday was was like a really great day for the Tigers. Like, um, like the three, there are actually four home runs yesterday. I can't remember the last time the Tigers had four home runs in a game. Uh, Eric Haas with five hits, and um, so yeah. But in terms of you know. It's a lot. It's been much of the same for the Tigers. I think yesterday was a step in the right direction. I mean, that ball uh, torque hit the center. It was an absolute bomb. Um, that was good to see. Uh, Kerry Carpenter still seems to be holding his own up in the majors. And um, so, yeah, not too many takeaways. I think it's more of the same. But I just think those are three names to keep an eye on is, is Carpenter, Torkelson, and uh, Credler as we move forward. Uh, that was really exciting to see yesterday. As far as anything else, guys, in terms, I know Chris, you're maybe watching a little bit of it. Was there anything else about the series you stood out? Uh, you know, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Yeah, we got to see them at their best, right? That's always fun. No, I, I uh, yeah, it, it's good to see the young guys do their thing. That was fun. It, it, to John's point, I was that was going to be my inside the number. That I met and remember, he did a home run related one not that long ago. But uh, the Tigers hit 4.75% of uh, all their home runs on the season yesterday. The four <laughs> homers in one game. They came into the, the game with 80 home runs and they hit four. So it was just under 5% of their season's total. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, for me, it was, um, I, I, I watched quite a bit of Tuesday and Wednesday's games. Um, I was, you know, you, you're supposed to play hard, so you don't get a lot of credit for playing hard. But at least at this point with the record they have, you can see they were competing. You know, they didn't just uh, wither away after getting dusted on Monday. And a uh, couple sequences that really drew my attention were on uh, Tuesday night, even though they ended up losing the game, uh, Jimenez came in and dusted Trout and Otani back-to-back. It was pretty impressive. He looked really confident. Uh no back down from them whatsoever. That was pretty impressive. And then the next day, Soto comes out, and he struck them both out as well. So anytime you can get through uh, Trout and Otani late in a game, in a one-run game, uh, you know, you got to be kind of happy for those relievers who did that. So th- yeah. that kind of jumped out at me a little. Yeah, and I know we're trying to stick on the positive, but I was listening to the, the Lockdown Tigers podcast today, uh, Scott Bentley. The Tigers yesterday, they had 13 hits as well as three walks. So they had 16 base runners along with four solo home runs, and they were only able to score five runs. So I was just thinking about that for a second. So they had four solo home runs, and then they had 12 other base runners and were not able, only able to score one of them. 
So I know we're trying to be positive here, but uh, we're also, yeah. I mean, we're a podcast that's the reels and realities. If uh, yeah. for a long time listeners who have listened to the show, we've been, called, you know, like I said, there's been times where we're called quote unquote too mean, whatever the hell that means. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I always take that with a grain of salt because I don't care. So it's, it's one of those things where I, especially when you look at some of the exit velocity by the Tigers too, which will, I wanted to kind of mention that is it's not going to be my inside number, but as one of the things that you, you look at and it's all blue. So if it's in red, it's good. If you go to baseball savant and you go to exit velocity and barrels leaderboard, usually if you're in the red, you're good. You're, but the, here's the thing, the number that stands out. And I'm going to, I'm going to post this here. It, it this is this is an example of what we're talking about yesterday. Kerry Carpenter, the home run was 90 miles an hour. His double, he hit a hard hit double. Okay, cool. You know, I'm not gonna mean you know, beggars gonna be choosers kind of thing. But when you look at when you look at some of the some of the stats like this, this is where if there's one thing about the tigers, there's plenty of things that go wrong with the tigers, but this right here, look at this. Look at this, look at the barrel right here. It's all blue. I mean, this is all unqualified. Even I mean Riley Green has had a really good success, but Hard hit, 95 miles or more. Plus, I mean, some of the swing rates here. Like, Willie Castro, you look at the numbers, yeah, but but look at this right here. This is Chester Torkelson, even Javi Baez. But, yeah. yeah so. I mean, what do, you, what do you think of Candelario being number one? I, I wouldn't expect that at all. I, I'm not surprised by it, actually, because, I mean, the last couple of years he has been among team leaders in – hard hit rate oh this is this is the last couple of years not just this year oh no no it's it's this year but i'm not oh, surprised okay. for this year but it, it, his numbers are down period mm-hmm. so but yeah nevertheless the tigers are what they are and so but at any rate let's move on there's there's a couple things that happened today in major league baseball and one of them i'm sure if you guys saw this article i posted it earlier in our dms and that is Two minor leaguers are suing the Angels for reneging on a promise that was on video, by the way, of them giving them it was it was their contracts too, I believe it was. So Jeff passed with a really good story, and it's it, it's kind of embar- it's kind of embarrassing. This is maybe this is why Artie Merlino maybe he might be selling a team. Maybe he saw things coming dark on the horizon because it's just been. But awful news for the Angels, but it's uh, August 31st hearing. Lawyers continue to argue the cases of Willie Fanatis and Kirsten Pavone. The legend court filings agreed with the Angels a deal for $1.8 million when Fanatis was 14 years old and Pavone for $425,000 as a 15-year-old, but they were not honored following a change in our organization's front office. So, But there's a rule that says the players cannot sign until they're 16, but so, but, but that happens anyways. Everybody just doesn't anyway. But the, there's a video, yeah. And the video here, I'll, I'll post it on the. I'll post it here on the on the chat, and, and then I'm gonna post it on the description. So somebody randomly posted this, and pretty interesting stuff. But that came out, and then tomorrow the rules are gonna be voted on tomorrow for the 15 second clock, and the I believe it's the. On a blank on the other rule that's going to be changed, but the, all the rule changes that have been working out will be voted on tomorrow. So, I, again, I'm not really, I don't know where you guys stand on the rules. The, What's up? I think it was the pitcher disengagements. Yes, that's the, correct. Yeah. 
Is that a and, time time clock thing? Yes. Yes. Yeah, pitch yeah. clock. Oh, yeah. And then they're going to uh, limit how many times you can step off the rubber per at bat. Uh, and if you do step off, they reset the clock and so on. A batter can only step out once. Um, they have to be in the batter's box with nine seconds to go on the clock and ready to hit. So yeah. it's very similar to what you guys have been seeing, you know, at the lower levels. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. I think it's a good thing as long as they continue to enforce it, you know, because a few years ago they tried to make the 22nd thing work and, but it was kind of, they put it in the umpire's hands and the umpires kind of stopped really, really uh, enforcing it because it was too tough without a, without a clock, without some firm backing of a rule. So um, I think it's going to be a good thing. I really do. The bigger bases, well, it's fine. Probably a little safer at first base. Uh, it's going to put, it's going to bring second base closer to home. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that's going to do, what the results of that's going to be. Um, but supposedly more runners will be safe with bigger bases. Um, and then the shift rule. So uh, I think they want two guys on each side of second at the time of the pitch. And four and guys have to be in the dirt. Yep, and none allowed in the outfield grass. By the way, it's final. West Michigan wins 7-6 over Great Lakes to continue to be in the playoff race. There was a really fascinating example of the, the pitcher disengagement things uh, in Erie's game last night. In the 10th inning, Erie had men on first and third with nobody out, and the pitcher had already made two throws to first. So if the next one, you can make another one, but you have to pick the guy off. If you don't, it's a balk. So, uh, and he stepped off and threw to first. If and they tagged out Eric De La Rosa at first. He got picked off. If wow. he hadn't, the guy runner from third would have scored to tie the game. So it's just it becomes this kind of uh, amazing drama moment because you don't expect the pitcher is going to throw over here. So you take a bigger lead, and then they catch you. And, and yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It wasn't fun you, for Erie, but uh, but it one thing I don't know in a situation baseball. when it's first and third. Do you know if they've already thrown the first twice? Can they then throw the third, or are they just? That's oh. a good question. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know either. Either way, it's going to – I do know this for a fact. For all minor league games we've gone this year, it speeds things up pretty quick. I mean, we went to a lot of games under two hours. I mean, maybe like one hour, 56 minutes, two hours close enough. But, I mean, it's sped by. There's been a lot of them that have. Except for Lansing. For whatever reason, Lansing games do not. It's like well, three-hour marathons up there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – just about every game we went to this year was two and a half or less, but aside mm-hmm. from the Lansing, you know, slugfests. But uh, yeah. yeah, so it, it's yeah. Uh, it's it makes a huge difference, and otherwise that the product in the field hasn't been changed for the most part. Yeah, you know? that's that's a good thing. As a as a younger viewer, just younger viewers don't have the attention span, and you know, so I think that's a very very good change for the game. I was going to ask you this, John, because I don't I don't like putting stereotypes on people or things but so that is so 100 percent. you have a brother too right so your brother plays baseball would you guys agree that that has been a good thing like both you guys no doubt uh, it's making it better for you guys to watch the game oh yeah absolutely they have like when i worked at i uh i don't know if you guys are familiar with jimmy john's field yeah. mm-hmm. they had like a two and a half hour time limit so you know it didn't matter you know, at the end of the inning, the game was over, whether it was the seventh, eighth inning, but just having, but I just think having the pitchers speed up more, having the batters not continually step out of the box, I think that's going to speed up the game tremendously. So I think that's a really positive change. 
especially because every Sunday night baseball game between the Red Sox and the Yankees feels like there's like that constant. All right, all right, it's about and like just I hate so, I hate watching those. So they're probably not going to be able to shorten the between any time for advertising reasons. So you might not see the full effect minor league got minor league games got, but I still think it's going to be great. Uh, yeah. if, even if they can shave 15 minutes uh, on average, 20 minutes would be great. Um, probably see more split screen advertising during a game, I'd imagine. Yeah, because uh, Bally does that right now a little bit too, with a word from Jimmy John's or whatever they'll say a sponsor as they're doing something in the break. And plus, with you're going to see eventually at some point, I think you're going to see more on uniforms advertisers. I mean, that's been that's been doing that in Japan. Soccer leagues are doing it. They approved that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they, they did approve it. it yeah. TV, so we're going to see it soon. I don't know. It'll just be more Little Caesars, probably. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, <laughs> as if you're going to see another pizza company in a Tigers jersey. There's <laughs> no way for that to happen. So, all right, now it is time for inside the numbers. All right, Chris, since you uh, we didn't get to hear your number last week, what you go first. What's your inside the number? All right, so my number this uh, week is 13. That is the number of players in Major League Baseball history who have finished a season with a WRC plus of 200 or better. Now, that would be, uh, again, twice as good as an average hitter, which is, you know, doesn't happen very often. Uh, there have been more seasons than that, but, but again, just 13 players, and, and honestly, we can – we can cast aside a handful of these players right away. One is Fred Dunlap from 1884. So we're going to, we're going to congratulate Fred on making it through a season without getting polio and forget about him. Um, uh, Then you've got Jeff Bagwell and Frank Thomas, both from the strike shortened 1994 season. So, I mean, those are both two amazing seasons, but they only played 110 games. So you don't really know. And then Juan Soto did it two years ago, 47 games in 2020. Again, very short season, hard to, hard to take that seriously. So if you take those away, you've got 10 seasons from Babe Ruth, six from Ted Williams, four from Barry Bonds, and you got two apiece from Ty Cobb, Rogers Hornsby, and Mickey Mantle, and then one from Lou Gehrig, Stan Musial, and then Mark McGuire's 1998. And why do I bring this up? Because right now, Aaron Judge has a 202 WRC+. Um, and, you know, again, still another month ago, and it's, it's not as sexy as the big home run totals, but it's a pretty remarkable offensive accomplishment and, and it's a very exclusive club. So it's something to keep an eye on uh, for super stat nerds like us, like me. I mean, that makes sense too. why people would consider him over the getting him the VIP, VIP uh, MVP over Otani. So I, I get it. There's a, you can make an argument for both, but I mean, with, those, with that right there, it's like, wow, you can't really argue that number right there. So, uh, John, what's your inside the number? Okay, so the Minnesota Twins, uh, they're in the race for the AL Central right now. They played a team over the last couple of days uh, that they're pretty uh, unanimous for. Um, so my number is uh, .252, and that is the Minnesota Twins winning percentage against a certain team. Do you guys know this team? Uh, Royals? They just played them. They just played the Royals. No, not the Royals. The, oh, the Yankees. Yankees. Yes, yes, right? yeah, the Yankees. Yankees. Oh, yeah. So, yes. So since 2002, the Minnesota Twins are 39 and 116 against the Yankees. Um, 
it's like I you've seen the jokes like the Yankees own the Twins, but I mean, like the numbers like actually back it up. Um, so yeah, I mean the Twins won the division in 2019. Uh, were swept in the ALDS by the Yankees. Uh, I know they were swept in 2009 in the ALDS by the Yankees. So I mean, what I'm taking from this, if if the Yankees weren't around, then the Twins could could have won a World Series in the last 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm the, numbers, did those numbers include the playoffs? Um, I'm actually yes, yes they do. Okay, all right. Let's get. I believe yeah, it. They're kind of famously have been. Yankees win. <laughs> Yeah, because like the twins. Yeah, the twins have lost like was it like fourteen or sixteen straight playoff games? Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, Just think where Ron Gardenhire's uh, legacy would be if the, if the Yankees hadn't been stoning them all those years. You know, uh, if he just had won a couple of those series, who knows mm-hmm. where his you know legendary status sits? Yep. It could cost them the division this year. I mean, they yeah. just got swept by him again. So we'll see. Oh boy. Well, and again, I mean, that's why the t- Tigers have beaten the Yankees in the postseason twice. Yeah. So 2012. Cooper, what is your intent? My numbers are seven point uh, seven. Oh, thank you. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Numbers are seven point. Yeah, <laughs> My numbers are seven point seven, seven point five, and seven point five. Those are the projected out F wars of over 162 games for Von Grissom, Michael Harris, the second and Spencer Strider, the three rookies with the Braves. So they have three rookies that they've injected into their post world series team that are playing at a seven and a half war level. Uh, pretty much a star for their player development program <laughs> because I don't think I would like I obviously we could probably research, but the last World Series champ to inject three powerful rookies like that into their lineup the next year, that probably doesn't happen very often. So uh for the uh Braves guys who might be in the running for a GM slot, uh they can uh look at that little factoid there as a, a bonus for them. That's yeah, man, that he didn't he pitch like a almost he pitched a... 16 strikeout. Yeah, yeah, it is 16 strikeout. Ridiculous. <clears throat> One thing I Michael saw Harris the second has been so steady. He's like a metronome, man. He he he's on base twice a night. Uh either scores a run, steals a bag, or drives in a run. He he's been a real fine for them. There were there were a couple things I saw. One was that Strider has almost completely changed his picks uh, pitch mix since college. And, and, you know, it's only been like two years, but what did I say? It was something like his release angle is even like a half foot lower. Like he's completely rebuilt himself. Wow. Uh, and the, one thing I came across today in, in Harris is, is very exciting, but there are some numbers to suggest that he might be one of those uh, like severe sophomore slump candidates. I was looking, he's, he's got one of the highest ground ball rates in all of baseball. It's higher than Riley Green. It's like 2.5 per fly ball. And wow. meanwhile, his home run per fly ball is like 25%. So it's like a, yeah, I mean, he's still an exciting player. He's having a fantastic year. I'm not going to complain about that. It's just one of those like, hey, um, he may like, don't don't freak out if he's not a five win player next year when he's 22. All right, <laughs> settle down. He's going to be fine. Yeah, that kind of happened with Vladimir Guerrero, right? I mean, he got off to a really good start, and 
it's yeah that's a good example for this year where yeah yeah Guerrero had a monster year last year and he's still very good this year but he's another guy with a, a, a really high ground ball rate and sometimes guys like that struggle to put up you know great seasons back to back yeah he's been able to pick it up as of late and that's precisely what leads into my inside number which is 17 and 22 and that is the Jays record against every other team but Boston in the division. Against Boston in the division, they're 13 and 3 against Boston in the division. But the reason why I bring that up is that doesn't matter because they took three out of four against Baltimore on the road when they needed to. And it was a very clutch series, considering that Jose Barrios has struggled all year, but they put it together. Him and Kevin Gosman put a really did a really good job on did a fantastic job on Monday, sweeping the doubleheader. And they took three out of four from Baltimore, and they're now have a in the standing in terms of the standings in the wild card, they hold the upper advantage. So good series for Toronto. They definitely need, they're off the six one start in the month of September. And the Jays were getting some good bullpen work. And the Jays, if you look at the Jays bullpen, some of the names that might pop in there, Chris, I know you're gonna be familiar with some of these names when I tell you Zach Pop. Um Colonial uh, Perez, former Houston. Uh, Brian Baker is another name that's been up there, but Fleeks uh Felix, no, I'm sorry, that, that that's for the Baltimore. I'm sorry, I was talking about, I should talk about Toronto's bullpen. Anthony Bass, name that come in mind. Although, Zach Pop does come in mind because he was a Rule 5, I think he was a Rule 5 eligible guy, wasn't he? He was, think, yeah. Yeah, we talked he was about with him the, before. Yeah, he was with the Marlins once upon a time. Yeah. I think, I think he was with the Dodgers and was left unprotected. What was it? Or he was traded from the Dodgers to the Orioles. In the Manny Machado deal, I think. Yeah, and then left right. unprotected when he was hurt, and the Marlins took him in the Rule Five. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And another thing about the series too that really stands out is the play of Alejandro Kirk, who's having a fantastic year. He's a four-war player. Just you talk about. We've talked about this before. I remember making a suggestion when last year about, oh, maybe they should Tigers make should make a play for him or Danny. Um, <laughs> Jensen. Yeah. And uh, Kurt this week stepped up huge against Baltimore. He batted, he had a game where he went four for five, but on the series, he had OPS over 1,000 and had a 571 slugging percentage. That gets it done. And again, players like that are going to definitely help Toronto continue to hopefully get ahead in the wild card. Baltimore, selfishly, I don't want Baltimore to get there because then it just makes the Tigers look even worse. But then again, also, I'm like, at the same time, like, ah, screw it. Deserve it. So, uh, the other... Do have an inside the number gone, so. Yeah, exactly. I do have an inside... I have two inside numbers from our listeners. This one's from Christopher. My number will be one since 2005. Each team in the AL Central, except Minnesota, has made at least one World <laughs> Series appearance. Only the Royals and White Sox have won World Series titles. That's a good one. Excuse me. And then I have one from um, our email. So I did get one email to me and that's from our friend Tim. And he gave me a really good one too. He, he changed his number to 595. As of September 6, Robbie Grossman's OPS is 595 with Atlanta. The same exact number as with the Tigers. <laughs> but they fixed them. We were told they, so. They fixed them in 30 seconds. We were, we were told that by somebody. Come on. I, they don't even need him, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Wrong! 
right. <laughs> I've been a little quops ever since this feedback, but I think I, I figured out when to play them. But uh, yeah, so that is our inside the numbers for the week. So now it's time for our second segment. <laughs> All right, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. John, I'm going to let you lead it off this week. What is your the good, the bad, and the ugly on your end? Okay, so my good is a team that is on fire right now, and that is the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, things weren't going so well for them. Uh, I mean, they weren't particularly bad, but they were only a couple games above 500. Uh, but now they've gone on a, a really good win streak. They're now 19 games over 500. Uh, I just saw Luis Patino is back for them. He's a guy that I think is going to be big for them come October. I just read a report that Wander Franco is set to rejoin the team, and so they're getting they're getting healthy. Uh, you know, because they've had some depth issues this year. Corey Kluber has been really rock solid for them. Uh, still waiting on Shane McClanahan to come back. And uh, one guy I want to shout out is Jason Adam, a uh, guy I'd never heard of up until this season. Uh, he has a microscopic 1.26 ERA as their closer this year. I mean, he has stepped up big time, you know, with the injuries to Andrew Kittredge and uh, Nick Anderson. So I think things are looking up for them. And something to watch out for is um, they have a three-game series against the Yankees, I believe, starting tomorrow. And they are currently, yeah, they're currently only five back of the Yankees, which if things go out, you know, play their way over this three-game set that race in the AL Central could be really, really intriguing to end the season. So good stuff from Tampa Bay. Uh, my bad, uh, I want to talk about this team because we just recently saw them, and that's the Angels. Um, I don't think – I mean, the Tigers have been very disappointing this year, but I think the Angels are been one of the most disappointing teams as well. I mean, just to have the seasons that Trout and Otani have had – uh, you know, they brought in Noah Syndergaard this offseason. Uh, Joe Adele was a guy they wanted to take a, 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 another step. And just to see them at the level that they're at, currently 17 games under 500, they have not played much of any important baseball for the entirety of the year. I just think it's been really bad for them to the point where Mike Trout is already 32 years old, hasn't sniffed any playoff baseball, um, Otani, I believe, is going to be a free agent in a year or two. Uh, and their farm system is pretty barren right now. So things aren't looking good for the Angels. And then for my ugly, another team I want to highlight is the Miami Marlins, uh, a team that has lost nine games in a row. They're currently 55 and 80. And, um, you know, I, we're Tigers fans, so obviously we're going to be harder on the Tigers but I think just the media in general has been really hard on the Tigers this year. And I haven't heard the same sort of noise around the Marlins. The Marlins were a team that made the playoffs in 2020 for what it's worth, actually won a playoff series. Uh, but they've just been dreadful this year, like very disappointing. Uh, the free agent signings like Avi Garcia, uh, Jorge Soler have not worked out. Uh, their offense has just not been very good. And then pitching-wise, Sandy Alcantara has been absolutely incredible, but it's just very disappointing to see, you know, his like he's been an MVP candidate for me this season, and to see that being wasted right now has been very disappointing for the Marlins. So currently on a nine-game losing streak, 
uh, things are not looking good for the Marlins right now. And I think the reason why you haven't heard anything because Marlins fans are over it. Marlins, Miami is one of the most fickle towns out there, and they had a chance to be owned by a local owner, but Major League Baseball went the Derek Jeter route and everything. And Miami, whatever fans are in Marlins, there are hardcore Marlins fans out there. There's there's a few, but honestly, if you were if you were to tell me that Marlins fans were out there in large minority i would or majority i would tell you you're you're insane they're not there's just not a lot yeah. of marlins fans so all right youper what is your good bad yoga this week well my good is just kind of from yesterday's win out in la against the angels um it was kind of fun a little bit refreshing if it's been such a bad year uh without much to celebrate i really was struck by the eighth inning when they hit the home runs carpenter and uh Kreidler. um both excellent swings, by the way, different types of home runs. We can talk about that another time, but I really, or maybe now Carpenter going the other way, I thought was a great swing. And then uh, Kreidler really dropped the hammer on that inside uh, fastball. That thing was not on the plate, but he got it. And he drove that thing out to a deep part of the field. But what I really liked was Bally stuck in the dugout for a long time. And for a team that's going nowhere, for a game that's going, for a game that really is meaningless, uh, the dugout looked happy. You know, and you haven't seen a lot of happy Tigers this year. Genuinely happy anyway. Uh, so it was kind of fun to see the smiles. And I think that's when you have young guys doing stuff for your team. Uh, you know, they're they're stoked to be in the big leagues. I think the older guys get a kick out of the young guys having fun. So I enjoyed that yesterday. That was one of my highlights of the year. Uh, bad, the passing article. I think what that really is going to lead to is more talk about the international draft. Not a big fan. I can see why people want to do it. Um, people believe in drafts. I personally don't. I think drafts generally are mostly vehicles to save owners money. Uh, anytime you say we need a draft, it's because they want to save money. It's not for the player's benefit. It's not for competitive balance benefit as much as people say. Uh, it's a way to control costs. And I think they're going to be taking even more money out of the pockets of young uh, uh, Caribbean kids who want to get, who want to have dreams of playing professional baseball uh maybe i'll end up being wrong but i that's what i see from an international draft uh but it does look like it's getting closer and closer uh my ugly dipping way down going to the Finnish baseball league my guys the tempera tigers i root for them since they're called the tigers i've been rooting for them a long time they are in the Finnish baseball league championship series Unfortunately, they are now down. They're down two games to nothing in the best of five. Backs against the wall. They'll be on their own field, home field this weekend, trying to come back. They need to win three. Uh, they got to dig deep and uh, have a few bounces go their way. But it looks like at least one Tigers team made it to their championship series. We're happy about that. But uh, they're looking like the uh, Espoo Expos might take them down for the uh, title in Finland. There you go. No, and you know what, Uber, you brought up a, a good point there about the drafting, especially also if you look at the fact that players' union is going to represent the minor league players, so there's going to be additional costs coming down sooner or later. So that's a good point to bring up. And as far as the Tiger Clubhouse, yeah, that was a good sight to see because even when I'm down there for home games and what have you, they're they're genuinely 
they're always in a good mood. They might not want to talk to the media, and that's fine. That's I really I can't get in the clubhouse anyways. But even then, um, it's still they're for the most part. You see Miguel smiling out there and all that. They know it's been a long season, but yeah, it was especially in likes of Carpenter, Green, and Trumpleson. It's kind of it's and even Lester. I got I mean, congratulations to Josh Lester. We haven't mentioned that that he got the call up and the fact that he has been in the system for almost a decade, eight years. And last year he, he left and then he, the Tigers resigned him to come back and he's been nothing but a trooper. So salute to him. And we'll, he will be back in town on Monday when the Tigers have Houston in town. So, and then of course, Hunter Brown, the Wayne state grad and in, in Michigan, I think he went to Lake or St. Clair Shores. St. Clair Shores. I think, yeah. He's, he has got he might be scheduled to pitch I pitch I believe on Tuesday so yeah that'll be that'll be cool to see all right Chris what is your nice instant... debut so what but Brown had an awfully nice debut I think it was six scoreless wasn't it yeah I mean the name yeah. alone speaks for itself I mean yeah. I mean he's cousin cousin Hunter yeah cousin Hunter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, Chris, what's, uh, your, uh, what's your uh good the bad the ugly so my good is Aaron Nola you know John mentioned uh Sandy Alcantara, and 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 you know, I've kind of presumed that he was going to win the Cy Young all year long, and he probably still will. He's he's kind of had it wrapped up, but uh, at least he's the heavy favorite. But I looked up the other day, and and Aaron Nola is leading all pitchers in F WAR, which I didn't realize was happening. His ERA is a full run higher than Alcantara's, so you know that's probably not going to happen. But I just I, I felt it was noteworthy to point out how how Nola has been consistently excellent basically throughout his career. Now he's. Uh, his first seven years in his career, his FIP was never lower than 3.01 and never higher than 4.04. So just in between three and four. This year, it's 2.64. So he's having his best year uh, by, by that regard. And he's getting close to 30 war for his career. He doesn't turn 30 until next June. Mm-hmm. So it's it's obviously still early, but you know, we see pitchers all the time that, that kind of continue succeeding and sometimes even get better in their 30s. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's... It wouldn't shock me if in 10 years we look up and, and Aaron Nola has borderline Hall of Fame number, numbers, which is, uh, I don't know, it's kind of wild because you just don't hear a lot about him, I don't think. Kind of on a Mike Mussina path. A, a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, he, he hasn't had, like, that one monstrous year, but neither did Mussina, right? Like, I don't think yeah. Mussina ever won. A, a, like, if you look back by war, he, he may have had a couple years where he deserved it, but I don't think he ever won a Cy Young. Um, and Nola did have, like, an 8-9 war year a couple years ago. But people were like, I don't know, because uh, it was just kind of funky. But yeah, so he's just a, a darn good pitcher, and I'm sure maybe in Philly they appreciate him, but uh, I don't get a lot of national attention there. Uh, my bad is the Goriels, uh, Yuli and Lourdes. They're two pretty oh. darn good baseball players, right? Uh, for They've been so for a while, but uh, not over the last month. I was looking out of 178 qualified hitters at Fangraphs. Lourdes ranks 175th in war, and Yuli ranks 176th over the last month. So yeah, it's a tough tough month for the brothers. Uh, Yuli is uh, or Lourdes is hitting two hundred nine with no home runs, for fifty eight WRC plus and negative four point or point four WAR, and Yuli is hitting two thirty two with no home runs, Oof. for a sixty four WRC plus Oof. and a negative point five WAR. So yeah, maybe it's just uh, August is just not good for the Gorielle. And my ugly is the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh yes, I wanted to talk about them. So one month ago. The Brewers had a two-game lead over the Cardinals in the NL Central. Today, they are eight and a half games behind. Um, uh, it's it's one of the more stunning collapses, and maybe it's more about the Cardinals going twenty-one and eight than the Brewers going thirteen and fifteen. But like, you know, the, at the deadline, they trade away their closer, 
now hater has been awful so they clearly knew something was going on there but um but it, yeah just weird like how do you have confidence in that front office when you've got first place wrapped up you make some strange trades and then you fall apart in august um so yeah it's, it's been ugly there in milwaukee and it's one of those things where i think this is the situation where, where tigers fans are like hey what's the rush in, in finding your gm wait till some things play out maybe milwaukee's gm will get blown out and uh that would be true if if the tigers were, were running any kind of real gm search instead of uh a sham so anyway there you go yeah lynn henning has been beating the horn about josh burns but i i guess i wrote this back in when alveola got fired it's going to be somebody they're familiar with already and i'm going to stick with it and there's some stuff coming we've heard some stuff but I, again that's off the mic stuff uh by the way christopher in our chat had a good the bad and the ugly i'm going to share that in here his good is Carpenter and Kreider going back-to-back jacks. The bad, Baez getting picked off. That was a pretty bad pickoff. The ugly, 13 hits, three walks, four home runs, and you only score five runs. That goes into what uh, Bentley said, too. So definitely, Chris, that's, that's a good one. Thanks for participating in that. So my good is a number that I'm, – I'm actually guys having a guess this number. So 1.94. What is – and it, yeah, 1.94 and the number 15. 1.94 sounds like an ERA to me. Yeah. The Grom's? 15, 15 wins. 15 strikeouts. Okay, we're going to get a wrong. Wrong! Yeah, okay. okay, so okay, so it's the pop time of Eric Haas, which ranks him 15th <laughs> in the league. Okay. So right now, uh, and That's this 15th? was just updated. Pardon me? I, I would have expected that to be higher. I think the highest is like 189, right? The the, the best pop time right now, on average, is JT Remote. Mato with a 1.82. One eight, it's his average is one to one eight two. Yeah, top ten. Oh second my base. god. Yeah. Sure, Sorry. So I mean, and this is through 39 attempts, and then of course Chucky Robinson minimum attempts of five. I mean, they they, they put minimum attempts of five. He's 1.88. Um, I don't know who that guy is at all, but uh, Eric Haas is tied among a couple others in that second tier, but he's not too far off from likes of Radley. Hutchinson, Stubbs, Gabriel Moreno. So he's along some elite company and catcher. So that's, I mean, again, I'm not, for my bad, this is where it's going to get, I'm going to get back down the earth, ladies and gentlemen. So the bad is the Detroit Tigers WRC Plus this season. Not one month this season has it even come in the 90s. Not even in the 90s, ladies and gentlemen. Damn. So you want to know how bad the WRC Plus has been for the Tigers? How you bad is it? How bad is it? How bad is it? I was like uh, setting that up. How bad is has been the Tigers WRC Plus? In the month of June, ladies and gentlemen, we'll start with month of June because it was a long month. 78. 78. <laughs> the 78, ladies and gentlemen, 78. May. Average. Average is 100, correct? Yep, correct. Okay. In May, 72. <laughs> 72 for the month of May. So you're talking, and then April, March. April, March, just kind of like beginning of the season. It was 82. All right, well, you know, a little bit respectable, I, I, I guess. I'm, <laughs> I, let's, let's not mince words here. It's still crap. It's still shite. Uh, it was, so in July... It was 85 and in august it was back to it was back to 77 
So cool. July has been the best month of the year for the Tigers in WRC Plus with 85. That's the... That could have been my ugly. That could have been my ugly, but that's, I mean, that's borderline ugly. I mean, that's embarrassing. That's bad embarrassing. Because as Chris once said, they can always improve on that. Well, not much less left of the season to improve on that. But yes, that's how bad it is right now. And you guys were talking, so my ugly, and kind of stole my thunder a little bit with the Brewers, but it makes perfect sense because the Cardinals are going to do what the Cardinals do every year. Every year. Without fail, we've you can you can put it on a clock and go. All right, now the now the, the Cardinals are just going to turn it on. They won what 13, 14 in a row last year in September. Was that last year they did that? Yeah, they 17. got the second wild. Yeah, they got the second wild card spot. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. So my ugly would belong to the. I was going to say the. This was kind of like a kind of a theme, so I had to go back to the hapless Nationals because why not? You know, they're 48 and 89. So if you're talking about as far as bad things go for the, for the Tigers, you can always look at the, the Nationals and go, all right. Well, well they have a World that Series. Bad. They did yeah, win a World no, Series. They, they, they did have a World Series. I can't <laughs> argue that logic. I can't. No, you're right. But the reason why I wanted to mention the Nationals is because in terms of ERA – uh, in terms of like the last in September, they have won, they've won three in a row. So not exactly helping their, they, excuse me, they won three in a row stretch where their pitchers gave up one run or less. So that's not ugly, but the fact is, is just kind of coming into the month of the month of uh, September, rather, as a team ERA, team ERA for the Nationals, as, as far as that goes, or excuse me, war wise was a 1.9, 1.9 pitching staff for the Nationals. And their ERA is a team ERA, and they are they were dangerously close to the 96 Tigers, but it's a 507 ERA, or 502 ERA. Only the Rockies have a worse ERA. So, but they, they're, yeah. I, yeah. They still so, got Anibal Sanchez going for him, too, I saw. Yeah, he threw, he's, I think he threw a shutout a couple days yeah, ago. He's yeah, he's still going, man. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I haven't mentioned the Nationals in a while. Their farm system somehow, Harrisburg kept, was it Harrisburg that kept messing with the Erie Seawolves a couple of weeks ago so out of nowhere with performers? Uh, yeah, they, they played Harrisburg uh, two was weeks it, ago. Was, yeah, two weeks ago, two yeah. Weeks ago. yeah. So Yeah, they and then, um, yeah, they, don't they play them in high A as well? I don't know, maybe not. Oh, and high. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the Nationals. Yeah, yeah. There, I think. No, I think I'm thinking of Triple A. Triple A. I'm thinking of. Okay. Rochester. Toledo. Yeah, seventeen nothing. No. Was that against the the Toledo seventeen nothing? I think that was earlier in the yeah. week. And then lost the other Speaking six games or the other five games in the series. <laughs> Speaking of Toledo, by the way, Brian Garcia was six shutout innings. If I would have told you. The beginning of the year, Brian Garcia would be. Throwing I six saw that he gave up two runs. Well, oh, he had six, oh, maybe he had six shutout innings going for a while. I'm not sure, but the fact he's going he, six innings as a starter. Yeah, I mean he's done that multiple times now. He even did it in the big leagues, didn't he? he yeah, had a, a couple yeah. started. It was like just something that that you I don't know, man. You never give up on pitchers, I guess. And Christopher with a good point here. Got to admire the Cardinals' ability to draft and develop their own talent and not miss a beat. 
You were absolutely correct, sir. All right, so it's time for questions. Chris, I will lead off with usually our Mark and our DM. He DM is a really good question. And a minute because this is kind of, I don't know if you guys, if you guys thought about this question, did you guys see the question earlier? Yeah, I did. About the rotation. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I'll I'll start with you. I'll start with you, John. So the question, here's a question from Mark. Hey, Rogelio, what's your starting five in a rotation next year? Turnbull is back. Mize and Scooble are out. A lot of young guys competing for a lower spot. And there's always free agent possibility. So, okay. John, what would be your starting rotation heading into next year? Uh, your, your ace would hopefully be Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, you would think I would pretty sure Spencer, uh, Spencer Turnbull will be back. And then you have Matt Manning. So that's your, your top three right there. Um, Alex Fideo is a guy I think that could challenge for a rotation spot. Uh, I don't see Ty Madden uh, being a guy who could start the year off in Detroit next year. Um, Reese Olsen, I think, is a guy that could potentially vie for a rotation spot. Um, and then you have the free agent potential as well. Uh, I'm not sure who the top uh, starting pitcher free agents are next year but i think you got eduardo rodriguez you've got turnbull and you've got manning i think those are your three guys and then i think there's a lot of possibilities garrett hill is another guy who's been pretty impressive this year he could potentially hold down one of those spots and then you have joey wentz pitching tomorrow is another option so a lot of options but i would say my three men are erod turnbull and matt manning okay all right you what about you yeah, I mean, I agree with those three. Obviously, um, barring, you know, obviously Turnbull hasn't thrown a pitch in anger yet this year. So do we know he's going to come flying through spring training and have a job uh, right off the bat? We don't know that. But let's assume he does, uh, that he's going to be ready to go. Um, so it's Turnbull, Rodriguez, Manning. I believe they're going to have to look outside for something. Uh, I think a new general manager is going to, depending who that is, of course, that's always kind of the proviso, um, want to put some kind of stamp on the rotation. And they'll see who's out there. Uh, there should be, you know, a couple, hopefully something better than Michael Pineda. Uh, and then I think that fifth spot just boils down to uh, the grab bag of guys we've seen this year. I mean, how is Bo Brisky's health? How is Alex Fajardo's health? Uh, who's hot in, in March and April? They start the season out in the rotation, uh, but they'll have plenty of guys uh, that they, that we've seen this year and some that we'll see coming from Madden and Olsen uh, and a couple others who will probably be in the mix as the summer wears on. So I think there won't be that many big surprises uh, other than unless they really go off the, off the charts and bring in a, a top flight free agent. Yeah. Free agents I'm looking at, I see, uh, Jacob DeGrom has an opt-out. I mean, that's kind of a pipe dream. Andrew Heaney's a, yeah, Andrew Heaney's a free agent. He's been really good. Noah Syndergaard, uh, Ross Stripling, Jamison Tyone. Uh, so there'd be some options. I, I don't see this team spending, you know, as much as they did this previous offseason, but there are definitely some back-end options out there. All right, Chris, what about you? Yeah, I, I think um, – I don't know – I feel like they liked Brisky significantly more than than what his numbers would 
tell us to like whatever their numbers are tell tell them to like him more than than we might so i think it, as long as he's healthy he's probably a lock into the rotation i would think um i am a little bit wary with turnbull just as, as uh you said you know he hasn't thrown a pitch yet I mean, we all love for him to come back but we saw what happened with michael former his first year back from tommy john sometimes it's just not very smooth um i i, I would pencil him in along with erod and, and, and manning and then yeah i, I don't know do they does, does Wentz win a job? Does Hill win a job? Do they bring back Drew Hutchison on like a one-year, $4 million deal or something like that? Or they think they can just resign him as a minor league free agent again? He's He's been solid. He's not winning them a ton of stuff, but he's eating innings. Uh, and then, you know, among the prospects, I would think that maybe Wilmer Flores has the best shot of being a guy who, who take that, that next step. Uh just based on the, the amount of progress he's made in the last 16 months, uh, you don't really know what his ceiling is. I mean, who knows? Uh, it, it, maybe he finds that changeup, and suddenly he's got four pitches he, he can command. And, yeah, then you've, you've got a real deal guy there. He doesn't have a ton of innings under his belt, so I wouldn't pencil him in at the beginning of the year. But he's a guy I'm pretty sure we'll see at some point next year as long as he's not hurt. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, they, they just have a, a bunch of other arms who could pop up as we saw this year. You know, they need 16 pitchers. We could see you know, Bergner hasn't pitched well in AAA, but he might get his velocity back and, and come up and start. We could Madden might eventually make it up. Brent Herter might eventually make it up. Uh, it's uh, I don't know, but yeah, I don't really I don't really see them going big in free agency. There are some smaller names out there. I think uh, I think your guy Raj from the Mets is going to be back as a free agent again. What's his name? James oh, uh, uh, Taiwan Walker. Yeah, Taiwan Walker. Um, uh, Michael Tyler Walker. Michael, yeah, Michael Walker. Michael Walker's been really good this year. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, there, there are some more of those kind of middle guys that that, that are intriguing at least. So if they yeah. want to go and get something like that, but yeah, it's it's hard to know what they – I think they might place a priority in trying to sort out what they have already because they're, they're going to add some more names to the, uh, the 40 man this year too. Yeah, and that's where I think they might look eternal. So if they were to go external, I mean, a name I like too is Shamanea. Who, Dude, uh, yeah, because he's having a down year. You could buy low on it. I mean, 4.4 war is not a down year. My, my oh. No, I, okay. I, his numbers may indicate that, but I think a 4.4 war and um, might indicate that. It might indicate that he's going to be worth something else, but. Again, that's more of a pipe dream. And and Christopher brings up a good point here no, on YouTube. Wait, where does he have a four point four WAR? According, are you confused? Are you confusing him with Manoa? Shamanaya or Shamanaya? Shamanaya's got he, he's at one point on Fangraphs. Is he at four point four to to baseball let reference? Me, let me see. I looked at. I just saw this list on MLB.com. Yeah. All right. Oh. My bad. My my bad. I don't know why. What the hell? That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I just saw a stat. He he has a seven point one ERA in his last fourteen starts. And this is say by wins above replacement Fangraphs. That's not right. Then I'm sorry. I was going by this list, this link here. So you guys don't never trust the links. <laughs> no, I'll. Yeah, I'll, I'll gonna... He's even a, he's a negative one point one WAR to to Baseball Reference. Yeah, here's where oh, I yeah. got, here's the link I put in our chat. Like that's where I got it from. So my apologies. I just looked at that, and I should have gone to baseball reference in the first place. They could buy low on – you know, you're right, John. They could buy low on him if they wanted to. He is from Indiana. I mean, he is from Indiana. Or excuse me, he grew up – He went to Indiana State, right? Yeah, yeah. Valpo area. So maybe he wants to go back to Midwest. I don't know. 
I don't know. I mean, they could buy low on him. He's a lefty if they choose to. But I think what Christopher was about to say was Christopher, God, Trumbull, Manning, Brisky, and more broken free agents. Uh, look, I, I think if, if we're going to stick with the, the eternal options, here's what, here's what I, I have. So I have a combination of Manning, uh, Erod, Hill, and Brisky. I put them both because you could put – Hill has been pitching out of the bullpen, but just to save innings. But Brisky, you're not sure what he's going to be at, if he's going to be 100% next year or not. That's why I'm still kind of not going to pencil him in. I think Flores is going to get a heavy look in spring training, and I think he may start the year in Toledo, but get called up pretty quickly. Turnbull – for, for sure, I think. But even a guy like Sawyer Long. And the reason why I say that is because the Tigers might just decide on, in, in terms of, like, Madden might need another year. Or Madden might make the team mid-year. Maybe they'll see what they have. And like just put together a hodgepodge rotation of guys that, if they're not going to spend any money, which could be the case, Sawyer Long, I mean, he's 26, 27 years old, so he's a little, he's already old enough that he should be getting some consideration. Wentz, I could also see there as well. It's going to be more eternal options. But if a guy like Chaminea, I like, I, I, I even though, again, the numbers say otherwise. And another free agent that's out there that, <sighs> this is kind of like a running joke with me because it's always, cracks me up when you see a name like this. It's like Andrew Heaney, because that's a name that's going to be, has injury written all over him. Uh, Kyle Gibson. No, yeah. I mean, you know, there's going to be a Motor City Bengals list. It's going to have some of these names out there as a possible option. Yeah. No offense, anybody, but uh, <laughs> you know, and of course, Justin Verlander. Bring Justin Verlander, dude. Oh, we we would throw a party if that happened. We're having a party if Justin Verlander comes back to the Tigers. Look, you're going to have to. Chris, what you no, I was just say that article was was putting the war their war but from from the 2020 and 2021 seasons. So it was oh. the two years prior to this year for some reason, because that makes sense. I don't, uh, I was going to say, okay, so I'm not crazy then. Okay. And for every reason, they have Aaron Sanchez. Dude, he's off. Dude, I just saw him in, we saw him in Rochester pitch or yeah, it was Rochester, I think. And then, yeah. Yeah. Then he came and pitched, uh, for the twins. I think, didn't he shut down the Tigers once? No, he did. I thought he was bad. Yeah. So that's what we might. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, Jose Urena's out there. They have, yeah, you're right. There's a bunch of just broken junk in the agent <laughs> market. So, I mean, I'm not, let's, and look at the eternal. I mean, look at the Tigers. They didn't give Chase Anderson, and he's been on two different teams since he got released or since he decided to walk elsewhere. So, I don't see anybody writing articles about how well Chase, Chase Anderson is doing. So, but yeah, but uh, yeah, that's how it, I think, like I said, Sawyer Long would be the consideration or, or, if we know this organization, if they're going to go, okay, if they're going to go the route of X Dodger, Josh Burns, or they're going to go somewhere eternal, they're going to find an arm somewhere in some other system and fix it. So watch for insert former starter thing. It, it's going to happen. Some, some federal miracle job or something. I, I don't, I just, I don't know. It, it, the, the end of the rotation is going to be kind of hard to figure out next year. It's just going to, you know, what they do, they're going to put the position on a, UFC octagon, right? You gotta fight for it. That's what's gonna happen. It'll be four. Like yeah, five in, one out. UFC ninety hundred or nine hundred sixty-five. The Tigers' fifth starter position. Go Detroit. They all get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. So 
questions. We got some more questions, Chris, I'm assuming. I saw two more, at least. Uh, one, one was from Steve Cook. He said, uh, first of all, he said he would like to see Dana Brown's name floated more. He's done an excellent job uh, with Atlanta. I think a lot of people consider him a great GM candidate. Again, if they were doing a real GM search, he would be high on the list, but they aren't. His question was, how would you rank the middle infield prospects? Uh, Christian Santana, Jace Young, Peyton Graham, Danny Ceretti, Colt Keith, not a middle infield prospect, and Manuel, Manuel Sequeira. So Santana, Young, Graham, Ceretti, Keith, Sequeira. How do you rank them? Well, we're going to see Ceretti tomorrow. We're going to see tomorrow and Sunday as the West Michigan, as the Whitecaps end the season this weekend. You know, what word Van Gogh, I think, wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. If they brought back Anibal Sanchez, by the way, it wouldn't surprise me. So that was he's still, yeah. I can't believe he's still going, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Okay. So I'm sorry. I, I So Ceretti, Graham, Sequera, and who else? Young, Keith. Young, Keith. Okay. And uh, wait, one, yes, Santana, Young, Graham, Soretti, Keith, Sakara. That's five. It's, uh, six. Six. Okay, I can't count. All right. Well, Keith. I mean, again, Chris, we don't put him in there. We. That's why I said five. Well, I, I mean, he he played second base. I don't think he's a second baseman down the road. I don't think he's a third baseman down the road. I think he's an outfielder. But if you're gonna put him in this group, then yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I put Keith number one. It makes sense to me. Uh, young for the upside part of it too. Soretti right now over Graham, or I'm sorry, uh, Sequera, then Soretti, Graham, and what was the last one? Uh, I think it's all of them. So you had you had you had Keith San or Keith Young. You didn't have Santana, uh, did you? No, was Santana mentioned or Sequera? Yeah, Santana was mentioned as well. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry, Santana three. Sequera four, Soretti five, and Graham six. That's how I stack it up. Gotcha. Um, for me, for me, it's uh, it's yeah, it's Keith one. He's the best hitter of the bunch. He may be the best pure hitter in the Tigers minor league system. Again, I don't think he's a middle infielder, but whatever. Uh, and then I got Santana too. I think he has the highest uh, upside. Doesn't have the highest upside of these guys, but the most likely to reach his offensive upside, I would say. Yeah. And then I have, I actually have Peyton Graham three. I think that he has, he has the highest upside of all this group. That's a, that's a guys should stick at shortstop with 2020 potential. Uh, he just, you know, it's kind of raw, has a lot to work on. Uh, then I have Young. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've complained about Young a bunch on here or not, but uh, I will if people want me to. Uh, and then I have, Soretti, I guess, and then Sakara. Like, I, I don't know. I haven't seen Soretti in person much uh, at all, actually. Yeah. So I don't want to pass any huge judgments there. I just think right now he's just a college hitter taking advantage of, of being experienced. I, I don't know if there's a lot of tools there to project him going forward. And Sakara has, has, you know, good tools. It's just that that approach, it scares the hell out of me. So, yeah, that's why that's how I rank him. And I guess I'll, I'll just say with, with Young – I just I, I haven't seen it yet. I, I don't see. I don't see if I watch him on the field with with Isaac Pacheco, which we've done several times, and I had to pick between the two. I take Pacheco every time. Pacheco's the better player. He's more athletic. He's got more power. He's as good a hitter. He's got as much patience. Um, 
He's got a stronger arm. Like, I, I don't know. Jace Young being a top 100 prospect is just kind of one of those strange artifacts of a guy. He was had a great college career, particularly, you know, freshman, sophomore year. Had great campaigns, good as a junior. So he's just well-known. And he was highly touted coming to the draft. So he was highly ranked on draft boards. But you watch him play, and I don't see a top 100 prospect there at all to me. I, I, he seems like a guy with average power at best. He's got a field to hit, but but he's not. I don't even know if he's a plus hitter. Like it seems like guys can pitchers can get him out with sliders under his hand every time if they can locate it there. It's just he's in high A and they can't always locate it there. And then uh, beyond that, yeah, the secondary skills aren't really there. So I don't. Know, I'm not. I'm I'm pretty low on Jace Young, as you may be able to tell. So there you go. That's my ranking. And the reason why I have him ranked right now over Santana is I need more. Of a, I mean, I, what I've seen from Santana is remarkable. The guy can hit. I just worry about his strikeout rate a little bit. But as we've discovered, Young struggles with high velocity. Yeah. So, it, it, like, he can hit. He can hit. I just don't know if there's going to be enough beyond that to to really project him to be a, a big league regular. No, Matthew makes a good point there about your the eighty twenty thing. It's well, that I, was that was you. You told me about that one, really, right? And yeah. that was from the the Cody uh, the Cody. Uh, Stephen podcast turning turning the corner with Cody and, and Karen, right? Yeah, where, yeah, that, that, I don't know that if we talked about it on that, here, but they, they, yeah, we talked. I was talking about our, when we talked about it on our trip when we were to listen to it, and then you you got that look in your face like, oh wow, like the about the Zach yeah. NATO stuff, yeah, and it was. Well, I mean, the, the guy that Raheli and I wanted, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. But I know, we'll see. It's it's the end of a long year for for a lot of these guys, and maybe that's. The main issue, maybe J.C. Young comes out. You know, he's crushing it next year. His brother got better in pro ball, so I'll give him. I'll give him room to improve. I just he's not a top one hundred prospect to me right now. His brother, by the way, will be making his major league debut tomorrow. He got called up by the Rangers, so congratulations to awesome. Josh. Nice, nice. So, um, all right. Um, next question: Or anybody have any want to rank those real quick? If anybody wants to, I mean, Uper, do you want to? No, it's okay. I think, okay. you know, I would take Keith number one. We could stop there. And then it's kind of just a mishmash. I think the nice part is there are a half a dozen legitimate guys to talk about uh, in the Tigers system. Uh, there have been years where we did not have this conversation. <laughs> it stopped yeah, at number he, three. Like, <laughs> he didn't He didn't mention Pacheco there. And, right. and Or like Luke Gold, who they drafted this year, yeah. who Winston, we haven't seen much from. Winsel Perez. Winsel Perez, yeah. yeah. I mean, they have Andre Lipsius. Oh, I was just about to say that. They, they have That's some bodies guy. now. Ryan Kreidler's in the big leagues. There, there are there are bodies to cycle through. But yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's great to have the depth, you know. And if they can just pull one or two guys out of that list, who's a real ball player, you got a successful thing going. So, uh, and then yeah, along those lines are uh, are last question that I found was from Deadly Ninja Bees. It was a two-parter. Uh, the first one was, look into your crystal ball. What does the future hold for this Santana kid? Anybody? Uh, I see everyday shortstop, honestly. Uh, and he's only 18 now, so we've got a ways to go with him. But, I mean, he was very good in rookie ball this year and a limited number of at-bats. But so far in Lakeland, he's got a 751 OPS. Uh, the strikeouts, I, I can see why that's could be an issue um but i think it's very early to tell but i think 
for being as young as he is and being as highly ranked in the system as he is, um, I would hope he could be a future starter, a future starter at the shortstop position for me. I, I like the upside. I mean, we saw that home run yesterday that Sherry posted on Twitter and the powers there. And I think it's just a matter of him figuring out he's still, and what's nice is he's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, is he 18? Yeah. 18. Yeah. He's 18. 18. And he looks like a beast for his age. I mean, I don't know too many 18 year olds look like that. No, John's yeah. 20. And he, you know, yeah. I'm old. I'm two years old. <laughs> yeah. But you, you look like you're 16 sometimes, but no, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, uh, no, Santana, I think there's going to be, I think he has some major league potential. And it's not often we have said that. And same thing with Compost, too. And Compost is an outfielder, so I understand it's a completely different conversation. But Sequeira mm-hmm. looks good. And you want to know what uh, Chris's boy, uh, Ray, um, Reyes, the 17 year old. Oh, Raylan Perez. Yeah, Raylan Perez. Sorry, Raylan. I was thinking yeah. Reyes. Raylan Perez yeah. is going to be next year. So, oh, did you guys, yeah, do we talk about, it. uh, Luis Garcia, did we hit on that? Oh yeah, the Tiger. Oh yeah, so the Tigers. That's a that's a, totally forgot about that. So there's, by the way, there's five different Luis Luis Garcias out there. And, the one uh, on the Nationals. I like the one on the Nationals. <laughs> that's the guy you want. And he had uh, yeah. that. He had a good debut tonight for the Sea Wolves. He had a pair of walks, and he was at one point a top thirty prospect for the Phillies, but has just not been able to hit at any level this season, and. The Tigers picked him up, put him on the 40-man roster, and shipped him out to Erie. There's reasons that Chris and I have talked about this privately. So if you really want to know, just ask us on Discord. We can tell you. Yeah. But, uh, yes, yes. Uh, think. Let's just say we just saw some really bad performances this weekend. If you look at certain players, you'll figure it out. But I'm not good. Yeah, no more than that. But uh, that's what I think. That's why they did it. I don't know. But uh, either way. And that was the last question. So... Well, he did have that two-parter. He had a second part of that. Oh, yeah, second part. Sorry, go ahead. And, and just for, for my part, I, I think that Santana has um, – I think he's got a chance to be a, a, an average to an above-average regular at second base in big league in the big leagues. I think he is pretty similar to what we thought Isak Paredes would become. I think he's got more raw power than Paredes. Uh, but – he need, he, the only issue he has right now is with his approach. And it's kind of the good issue to have when you've got an approach problem. It's that he's a little too passive, I think. Mm. And so that's why he has super high walk rates, but also high strikeout rates. I think he needs to get a little bit more aggressive on pitches that he can drive. And if he does that, I mean, you, you might see him fly through the system next year because he's, he should be, um, you know, pretty good elsewhere. I, I don't, I've only seen him a couple times and he doesn't look like a shortstop to me. But again, it's hard to tell with an 18 year old. He might, he might even catch a growth spurt. You never know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, anyway, yeah. The, the, the final question uh, from the Deadly Ninja Bees was: Given that the Tigers don't have any assets to sell off, what does the new GM do in the offseason to turn this around? <laughs> oh, I mean, remember Lynn? Oh, they got a bunch of pitching prospects they can trade. Oh. No offense to Lynn. No, no offense to Lynn, but he did say that. I, I yeah. This is not uh, my. I, I would say I, I, this wasn't my idea. I, Mark Gorosh suggested this, but he said, you know, look at look at other GMs, like in Seattle and San Diego. They they will, when it's time to make moves, they'll make moves, and it, if it involves packaging together three or four guys, they'll do it. And I could see a GM doing that, where basically you've got like Soto, and 
I, I don't know, Akil Badu and one of your minor league pitchers and something like that, it just to try to re reconfigure your roster and, and get some guys who maybe are underappreciated or have fallen out of favor in another organization just to move some guys around. I could see that happening. Yeah, finding distressed assets and, you know, like finding players who maybe aren't performing well, but you see something in them. That's like what teams like what Tampa Bay does. I like we need a GM that can can make moves like that to find a guy like Christian Bethencourt, who, you know, no one really has heard of him, but now he's, you know, an everyday regular for them for the Tampa Bay Rays. Moves like that, I think. We we haven't seen had a GM that have been, has been able to pull off moves like that in a while. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take some time before even Yeah. Well, they have the payroll open. I'm sorry, I, you know, they have the money. They could spend if they want to. I'm a broken record on that. I've said it before for the last couple of years. So I won't go too far down that path right now. Uh, but there's no reason they can't compete for a premium free agent. If they believe they can field a winner next year, there's no reason they don't do it. Uh, but if, assuming they don't, because it seems like the prevailing wisdom that I hear is they won't, uh, then, yeah, you know, you just got to trust that this new person has the trading acumen to always kind of slowly by growing, you know, winning every trade by that little 2% margin, yep. 3% margin, get a little better at a time and hope eventually you stumble into the next J.D. Martinez in some small move you make, the guy yep. who's ready to explode. Yeah, it's the little moves that matter. Yeah, that's going to add up. That's going to be something that the Tigers just, if they can get some average players, just some average players they can at least hit with just some, I mean. Yeah. Like yeah, Eric Hasse, for example, he was a guy. I believe they didn't they pick him off waivers or something. Yeah, they paid they paid money to get him. I think it was just yeah. like here, have some money. Yeah, so it's like moves like that, guys like that. That's what I'd like to see. Yeah. So that is the end of the podcast for the week. But I wanted to end the podcast with a couple of not like non baseball related stuff. Just just want to get some things off my chest. First and foremost, rest in peace to the queen. Yeah, rest in peace to the Queen. We did play, we did play God Save the Queen earlier by the Sex Pistols, Chris. So we did you missed that, but uh yeah, I did. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Look, I just wanted to get on a little rant here about something. Um, because this is the only platform I try to stay stuff off Twitter and Facebook. Truthfully, this, okay, so people might think that Woodward Tigers is a full-time job. It's not, it's a part-time job, and during the day I've worked in marketing, but recently, due to a I'm not going to flat out say this guy's a dick. Uh, the guy I worked with before at a previous position decided to. So since late July, you know, full time been looking for work. Last few weeks, I've been doing projects for some of these resumes, some of these jobs. And a couple of them, or they'll tell you, indeed, apply for this job. We really like your resume. Then they'll tell you, oh, we're not going to, we're going to pass on you. Did you need some sort of, quota or something. I, I don't understand it. Again, this is nothing to do baseball related, but this is something I just wanted to get off my chest. People who donate to the Patreon and give money and, and help us out, thank you. Sincerely, thank you. You rule. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to give anybody a guilt trip. The people that can donate is appreciated. So whenever you think of like when we do this stuff, extra stuff like that, I mean John, I mean John's an intern. I mean we're gonna He's going to go drive out with us tomorrow to learn how to do this. He's taking a lot of time, and he's a go-getter, and I really appreciate his attitude. 
people like that make me motivated to continue to do stuff like this. But just, I wanted to get off my chest. Job searching blows. Okay. <laughs> when people think, like, oh, you do a podcast and you care about your podcast. Well, I could talk marketing, I could talk all this stuff all day long. I'm just venting a little frustration because, quite frankly, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the whole whole thing. And I just, I, I don't care who listens. I, I really, and look, you get a high energy guy with me. When I'm at work, I do my work, but it's just some of the, some of these hoops are ridiculous. I had somebody who rejected me for a job and then sent me a link going, well, Hey, I know someone else is hiring. We just, so in other words, we're, you weren't, you weren't good for me to give you the offer, but here's somebody else's link. Yeah. I mean, something I want to say is just someone who's so young and just doesn't have much experience. I mean, it's a, it's like they want experience, they want all this, but it's like you have to have your start somewhere, you know? And that's why I appreciate you, Rogelio, so much because you, you took a chance on me, you know? And, like, I appreciate it so much. But it's like you have to have your start somewhere, and I, I wish more people would understand that when they, you know, it's like, well, I'll give you experience. Well, you can get some experience here. I, I wish more people and more employers were like that. Yeah, I mean, look at – we look at – I mean, not to brag or anything, but look at Chris uh, Platty. AKA sus on heavyweights. Hey, that's my dad. <laughs> that that dude, that guy worked at SRD. He was one of my interns at SRD. He came up to me from Michigan State. He wanted an intern with us. He sat in with us every Saturday for a while. He learned a lot. Same thing with Jeremy. Jeremy, who's their audio guy who just got hired. Another SRD intern. He was a Michigan State guy. So honestly. But anyway, I feel better. Thank you for letting me vent and our fans, everybody again. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And Christopher, uh, thank you for the questions tonight and putting in everything. It's been a pleasure with you having in there and shout out to everybody else. 